Super Talk Mississippi media production. In the Mississippi Legislature, Senate Bill 2145 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop Senate Bill 2145. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Welcome to In a Mississippi Minute. Today's guest is someone I've gotten to know over the years. Anytime I'm doing a show in the wondrous Astoria, Oregon, which has been over my career quite a bit, his restaurant, Baked Alaska, is always a must-stop for me and the boys. His story is, well, it's cool. How he and his bride stumbled upon and found Astoria, or maybe Astoria actually found them. Either way, say hello to Chef Chris Holen. Hey, Chef. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, man. I welcome you to the show. Uh, you've been a pal for a long time, and uh, each time I get to 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 make my way to uh, one of the most beautiful cities in the planet that I think that uh, I just love so much and the guys love as well, uh, I get to know you a little better. So on this show, I'm really going to get to know you. So I'm looking forward to that. What, yeah, likewise. What's likewise. been going on? How, how'd your how'd your uh, night go last night? I know you're you're up late and you're up early. So how'd it go? <laughs> oh, the restaurant's popping, man. Middle of summer. It's uh, kind of prime time out here in a story. There's there's not a, not a nicer place. Uh, this time of year no i know a lot it's, of visitors it's amazing you know okay so how many people live in astoria or are just in the surrounding areas well we have you know the city, the city of astoria has been been kind of locked in around ten thousand for years and uh you know the cool thing about about this town is that uh you know i think is that uh, we can't really add housing so everyone just brings uh brings everything back to life back to uh, uh they reuse it repurpose it and, and give it a new life around here so we're not adding a bunch of houses we're just uh, we're uh, we're repurposing them um surrounding area we've got about thirty-five thousand in our county okay all right well there were thirty-five thousand people on the street when we were there last night i brought my family there and we're going to talk about <laughs> you uh you uh bringing in our daughter cecilia in that event but but i want to start first with uh how how you ended up in a story i love this story and I, i'd love for our listeners to hear uh i think it's just fate uh, falling in love with a place. Uh, take us back to uh, your. Uh, it was your honeymoon, right? That's right. That's right. I was. Uh, um, I went to culinary school in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, we we moved there just just so I could go to school. And when I uh, was creeping up on the end of uh, end of the program, I was required to pick a a uh, externship, um, if you will. And I had a lot of opportunities. I could have stayed at the job I was at. I had a, a real secure 
situation with uh, Marriott Hotels. Um, I could have went to work uh, and staged in, in Napa Valley or, or New York or, or work on a cruise ship, but instead I, I wrote a business plan and uh, went a little something like, uh, like this. It was a baked Alaska soup company, have soup, will travel. <laughs> Basically, I, I, I proposed to the, the folks at the school that, that uh, I was ready to start my own business and I wanted to sell soup and uh, French press coffee out of my van at music festivals in Alaska right. for the summer. So they, they put their stamp of approval on it after uh, a lot of uh, thought, I think. They'd never asked anyone had ever asked to do something like that. And they said, well, you know, if you're, if you're able to self-evaluate, then we, we can okay the, okay the scenario. So they said okay, and, and uh, the last day of school came, and, and uh, uh, my then-girlfriend and I, Jennifer, went up to Sedona, Arizona, for a long, uh, a long, well, nearly a week, and we're joined by about 50 of our closest friends and family, and we got married. And uh, on our honeymoon, we, uh, we we took the van and hit the hit the coast on the way to Alaska for the summer. And uh, we drove through this wonderful, sleepy little town on the coast uh, of Astoria. Not a lot, not a lot of stuff going on right at that uh, at that time. You know, I'm. You know, for uh, you know, perhaps even tumbleweeds rolling down the street, it was pretty sleepy. Hey, when but was we, when was this, Chef? We're talking to Chef that Chris. Was, uh, that was June of the year two thousand. Okay. And uh, yeah, not not a ton of stuff going on, um, but we fell in love with it, and you know, and and one thing led to another. Within about two hours, we were looking at a little cafe that that uh, in fact wasn't even for sale, and and <laughs> we we approached the woman and asked her if she'd like to sell it to us. And, she, uh, you saw a light bulb go off. She's like, "This is my chance," <laughs> you know. And uh, she's like, "Why not?" So we, uh, so we bought it, and that that began the uh, Astoria uh, part of our lives. Wow. Okay. So you you just you bought it. You stay there. I mean, I, unless I'm, uh, I, if my memory uh, recollects correctly, uh, you guys just stay there. Yes. So the family basically. I don't know if it was you. You said this. It was literally or metaphorically. Uh, you guys just said, send, the, send, send our stuff. We stand. Well, that, that was kind of the gist of it. You know, we, uh, we, we put money down on this little cafe. We, uh, we agreed with the, the woman selling it that we would, we would be back in about three months. So we, we still went to Alaska for the summer. Uh, we did, a, did about eight music festivals, eight weekends in a row. Mm-hmm. Drove up all the way up there. And a uh, little uh, 88 Volkswagen camper bus with a utility trailer behind it we, we went from show to show and, and listened to music all summer sold food and and learned a ton about uh, about business and, and how things work and um, yeah so you know my, my wife went back down to Arizona and because uh, we didn't really have a plan after that you know so she went back down there and got all of our stuff and moved it up here to moved up here to Astoria and we uh, we ended up uh, opening the restaurant here the little cafe and the end of last day of August, year two thousand. Okay, that that wasn't uh, Baked Alaska, right? Or was it? It was called Baked Alaska Soup Company. Okay, so you it know? was. It was your original plan. It was it. The original, the original place. Yeah, it was like it was like our festival thing on wheels, but we now had a, a permanent space. It's amazing how much stuff, how much energy you got to put into to being, uh, you know, once the once the show starts. You know, right, right, and and obviously yeah. we can't do it without guys like you that show up. I mean, it's just too important. Uh, we love I'm, we love to have the lay of the land. So th- some of the best places uh, down here that'll come and and 
and you know and have i've even convinced a couple people uh to build a food truck and they've done it <laughs> so we're talking yeah. food trucks yeah. and the, the okay let's t- let's talk about that the ability um and uh, the knowledge that you gain uh you know you're you're you don't have all this crazy overhead you're basically living right. out of the thing and you get up yep. and you're at these music festivals and you can sort of really that's a pretty good test run to find out what people like right it's it's yeah does it does your business work right you got to be got to be flexible and you, you have to acknowledge like like you know what people people aren't buying this or they're really buying this you know and that that you need and you need to think you need to th- think uh, three steps ahead. You know, you can't just think about what's next. You got to think about what's next, and then what's next after that, and next after that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's not that simple. And you got to be willing to to be flexible, evolve. You know, right. one, one of my first events that we did, the very actually the very first thing I did was on the way to Alaska. I had the opportunity to hop into the Edmonds Arts Festival, so just north of Seattle, Washington. And I shared booth space with a woman. She was real, real nice. She's like, you know what? You can have 10 feet. We don't, we don't need it all. And, and here I am. My plan is I'm going to sell soup. <laughs> well, guess what? The weather was 75 degrees <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and sunny. Yeah. And yeah. I learned a lot that day about what can I do? What can I do to still generate revenue when it's 75 degrees and I'm trying to sell soup? Did you so, make popsicle soup, like freeze it? exactly no i started doing things like like cold chicken salad i started um there was one weekend we were in haynes haynes alaska doing the haynes haynes uh the southeast alaska state fair and same thing like that area is notorious for being socked in gray and rainy and it was beautiful so we we went to the store we found a case of overripe bananas the the grocers said you know what you can just have them we're not gonna be able to sell them (laughs) And we turned our French press coffee, a little bit of cream, and overripe bananas into banana lattes. And we actually sold the heck out of those things. Wow. So the whole case of bananas in about a day. Wow. And they're just being creative, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, what can I do? Because you can't just sit there. You, you put a lot of uh, investment in it. And, you know, from a food truck perspective, maybe not so much as a, as a restaurant per se, but still, you know, when you're, you're thinking small like that, like, you need to, you got to bring in money. And what can you do to do that? Right. So... Well, got to be flexible. Well, I tell you the, an example of what you just said to uh, reconfirm everything you just said. We've had times when it's been really cold. We sold mm-hmm. all of our long sleeve merch, everything gone, like in day one, and we, yep. uh, and then all of a sudden, the biggest selling uh, of anything was coffee. So pe- you know, I remember these people sold like thousands of dollars worth of coffee, and nobody drank beer or drank drinks because they were frozen. And so, in, and when that wind kicks off, just like in Astoria, you're on the Columbia River. When in, in the Mississippi River, when that wind kicks up, it's always about 10, 15 degrees cooler most of the time during the year. And when it's 40, and all of a sudden it feels 25 in the Delta, it gets really—I mean, it hurts. So we were, uh, and obviously there's no sunlight. You get down down to down to the nightfall. Uh, there's nothing. There's nothing warming you up except like hot coffee. So we've we've watched that as well. And when it's warm and hot, nobody's drinking coffee. Everybody's going the other way, drinking cold beverages or or whatever. We're talking to Chef Chris Holen. We have figured out the music festival of the world. You are in a Mississippi minute. We're gonna be right back. I'm 
Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Silver whistle and an old clipboard. We are in the Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, because you guys know that's how we do roll down here. And speaking of up there, way, way in the Pacific Northwest, is this town called Astoria, Oregon, and this great chef who I feel like I've, I've partaken in a lot of great chefs around the world, is one of my favorite chefs ever. Uh, he's a true jewel and a gem, and he's got a great spirit, great family. Uh, and uh, as I've gotten to know him over the years, I realize how much better he is at what he does and how much pa- passion and compassion he puts in his food. You know, I believe that the chef today is the new rock star, that music is taking a backseat, and the chefs have this Wild West, so to speak, with uh, where they get to break over the lines of what to do and what not to do, what to mix, what not to mix, and I just feel like you guys are it now. Um as you let, let's go back a little bit in time w- what made you chef decide that you were going to be uh and you wanted to, to do food for your life you know that that's a that's an interesting question now after uh after high school i immediately left uh left high school in fact i graduated a semester early man, and tried i went right to college you know my i'm the son of a high school guidance counselor you know and that's what you do you got to go to college you know that's that's what's next and so I, I did it. I jumped right into college, and, and after a couple of months, I'm thinking to myself, "What is the what is the point?" I mean, for me, now it's great for great for many people, but for myself, I was like thinking to myself, "I don't know. This doesn't make any sense to me." So I found myself with a job washing dishes at a restaurant in Anchorage, Alaska. My my buddy said, "Hey, there's a job opening. You know, here's what it is." I said, "You know, sure, why not?" Well, I jumped right into that. This place was busy. We do about a thousand dinners on a Friday night, and immediately. I was like, wow, this, uh, okay, I need to move, move forward. I don't want to be in this dish pit for, <laughs> forever. <laughs> so, so I moved into the prep kitchen. They, the chef gave me the opportunity to say, well, we'll give you a shot. And I started doing prep work. And ultimately, after a few months, I, I became the official happy hour buffet guy. Wow. So that, that's kind of where it started. But so jumping out of that, I, I did that for about a year and a half. And at the same time, I had a second job. I figured I'd be productive. So I, I also uh, worked at the Anchorage International Airport at nighttime like 8 p.m. to 4 a.m., um, working, uh, I, I worked the, uh, the plane turn. So we would service, I, my job was to service the galleys on, on airplanes, um, you know, clean them, stock them with booze, that kind of thing. And, and uh, anyway, so I did this both for a couple of years, and, and then I got out of the, I got out of the, the business, went in to work for, uh, for Holland America. I got an opportunity. I went to Denali National Park, and for the next five years, I managed an office on the front porch of the National Park Hotel, in Denali National Park, Alaska, and this allowed me to not, uh, honestly, not work in the winter. I could get away without working for about four months and travel the world and see all these places. I spent a winter in the Mediterranean. I spent a winter in in Af- West Africa. I actually went there by by land and ship from from Man. Paris. Um, I lived in Mexico. Um, I once drove. I drove around the U.S. in an old Volkswagen bus one winter with three buddies. You know, taking turns paying for gas and. And uh, and eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, right? The goal right. is how far can we go and how long can we go without working? <laughs> mm-hmm. so, um, ultimately, one winter we decided I had met this uh, I had met this young lady uh, Jennifer, who is now my wife, 21 years ago, and uh, I met her in Denali Park. In fact, we just went up there two weeks ago to show our 11 year old daughter where mom and dad met. 
Wow. It was awesome. It was pretty pretty cool to see yeah. that for her face, you know. And anyway, so we we found ourselves in a, in the town of Whitefish, Montana, one winter, and I, I worked at a, a ski resort. I uh, right on the mountain. I ran a, a day lodge cafeteria, and and this place it was like I went, you know, it was like back in food, but like on the edge, right? We're selling chili and, and rice crispy treats, <laughs> you know, not not cuisine, but nonetheless, I, I enjoyed it. Well, two days before Christmas that year, it was uh, a 1998. Um, we had something happen. Our house caught on fire, and and, and it's one of those uh, moments in time which altered the course of the future. <laughs> it was really weird. The house pretty much burned down. We were forced to move out, and a couple weeks later, I wake up in the middle of the night, straight up from a dead sleep, and I swear, I wish I would have seen my face at that time, but it popped into my head and said, I know what I want to do with my life. It's just, just like that. I've been to all these places around the world, and the, this common denominator has been staring me in the face the entire time. It's right. food. It's, it's all about the food. It's always been about the food. I just never really realized that that is the direction I wanted my life to go. Wow. So it was that moment. It was an epiphany. I couldn't yeah. hardly breathe at that moment. <laughs> it was amazing. So so from then on, that's what I focused on. And, and um, you know, decided, hey, I heard you can go to culinary school. I applied for and was accepted nearly immediately into one of the top programs in the country. And we packed up in Montana, finished our obligations, and we moved to Scottsdale, Arizona for the next year and a half. Talking to Chef Chris Holland, what a story! I got to tell you something real quick. You bring up P P P and J, right? Uh, P P B, sorry, P B and J, peanut butter and jelly. Oh yeah. So so listen, you'll love this one. I was a kid Complete growing meal. up. I, oh, it's the best. When I was a kid growing up, uh, I wanted to gain weight. You know, I ate a lot, and it just didn't matter. And so I used to make this sandwich. And so as I as I told this story after I started having some hits, it would show up at radio stations. I mean, everybody would make me make it. So it's thirteen pieces of bread, lightly toasted. I would do this every day. Okay, 13. I don't know where the number 13. I needed an odd number to make the peanut butter and jelly even out. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and I would lightly toast, lightly put peanut butter and jelly on each layer. And then I would get over the top of it, squish it, and cut it into fours. And it was, it's beautiful to look at, but uh, I obviously can't stomach it anymore. But I'm telling you. I ate hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of those, and I've had to prove what this is to so many people in my time. So, but peanut butter and jelly still is a staple on our bus when we pull in, or you know, part of our uh, rider requirements. Um, it's yeah. like the first thing I'd rather have that than than anything. So, so I love that you that you guys were living on peanut peanut butter and jelly because I get it. We're talking to Chef Chris Holland, <laughs> Chef. Um, okay, so you make your way to baked uh, you when okay you open baked Alaska. Now the the building you're in now. Which sits yeah. on the Columbia River. Where compared to where was the cafe first? <laughs> so, yeah, that's a that's a funny story. That's where uh, that's where life becomes about a little bit of, of uh, risk, if you will. So, right. in, in not eight months, well, not even six months after we opened this tiny little cafe, Jennifer and I after work. So this place, the, the cafe, we we only serve breakfast and uh, breakfast and lunch five days a week, and and honestly, within about three months. We could hardly keep up. We, we were doing 100 meals a day with seven tables, just her and I. We hired our first employee. Wow. <laughs> we needed help washing dishes. Right. So we were walking after work one night, went for a walk down on the pier, uh, down on the waterfront, and walked out on the 12th Street Pier. And there was a restaurant that had opened uh, just that year, July of the year 2000. And 
we walked out of the pier, and, and I, was, I was looking at Jen. I said, you know, it's dark in there. The lights are off. That's weird, right? And, and, and I was like, and of course, you know, every, everyone does this, right? It looks, it looks closed. I'm going to try the door handle anyway. <laughs> you know, so try it. Nope. It, sure enough, it's locked. And then, and then there it was, like, like this sign from above. But this particular sign said, for sale. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Like, this restaurant had been open, like, at that point, maybe five months, something like that. Locked up, I guess, underfunded, not enough capital. They closed the doors, and there it was. And I look at her, and I say, you know, I actually didn't even say anything. I just looked at her, and I started shaking my head up and down. She started shaking her head right and left. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, let's do this. She's How like, couples? No. This is the magic of couples right here. <laughs> right? She's like, no. She still does this today, you know. And, and you know, and, and most of the time she can shut me down. But when my wife says, well, we can explore it, in my mind, that's like the green light. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. You know? So... <laughs> So anyway, yeah, we we were uh, we know we begged and borrowed and, and uh, you know wrote a wrote a business plan and figured it out and and we negotiated and, and were able to purchase this place and, and we opened in April of 2001. So not like eight months after we opened, nine months after we opened the the first little cafe, we're opening a full service uh, restaurant and bar with the staff at 25 and wow. Going, I hope this works out. <laughs> You're talking about going from the two of you and then somebody in there you hire to wash yeah. dishes to go to a staff of 25. Oh, yeah, just like that. You know, and that's, you know, you know, honestly, so, Steve, I, I uh, you know, I went to school for this, right? I, I have a degree in culinary arts, but I also have a degree in restaurant management. I was like, you know what, let's, uh-huh. let's do this. Let's, let's, let's go down this path. Let's see what happens. And, right. you know, I, I, said, I said to Jennifer, I said, you know, if somebody's going to do this, Somebody's going to buy this restaurant. Somebody's going to open here. It should be us. Why? Why shouldn't it be us? I agree. We're talking to Chef Chris Holland. What a what a great guy. What an amazing talent. Uh, uh, you know, I would uh, if we're stranded on some sort of island. Uh, I'm going to hope that you are with me, Chef, uh, to to make sure that we're. You could probably figure out what 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 we could eat, and not eat, and uh, and turn it into a fabulous meal. Before we go into the break, part of the deal is you get to play DJ, and Mississippi is the birthplace of it all. I mean, when it call, when we talk about art, we can go deep, and we talk about music, we can go very very deep. It's rich from the soul that was, uh, you know, rooted uh, in so many uh, different types of music, and and I don't even know what I'm saying at this point. But you get to play. You get to play DJ, not chef. Would you like to hear a little Mose Allison or Denise LaSalle? Ooh, let's go with Mose. All right, there you go. We're Chef Chris Holland. You're in a Mississippi minute. We'll be right back. Well, I'm sitting over here on Pajin Farm. I'm sitting over here on Parchman Farm and I ain't never done no man no harm. You can now follow the latest updates across the state with News Mississippi, the exclusive news partner of Super Talk Mississippi. On air, online, and now on the brand new News Mississippi app. You can select the news and weather alerts you want. Just look for News MS in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We're with the fabulous chef, Chris Holland. He's out in Astoria, Oregon. If you guys are ever, ever a chance to go see a wondrous, beautiful, beautiful, magical, mystical place, 
and partake in wonderful people and food. You got to stop by my my buddy uh, Chef uh, Chris Holland's restaurant, Baked Alaska. Okay, I want to jump into Chef Out of Water. The good news is, for people in Mississippi, you can come. Uh, uh, there's going to be a, some major synergy besides me and Chef being buddies, uh, and our families getting to know each other, become dear friends. I'm getting you to come down here. You've got this this cool show called A Chef Out of Water. Is that right? Chef Out of Water. Okay. All right. So you're going to be down here in the Delta with another buddy chef of mine uh, that I'm, I'm excited, David Cruz. The, the, he is one of the founders of the Delta Supper Club. He teaches at Moorhead uh, Culinary Arts. And uh, he's another guy that you just give some concrete to and just go and, and put him in, a, in, in some sort of environment. He'll figure out what to cook on the concrete. He needs no tools. And I can't wait to see you guys early October. I'm excited. I want, I'm going to be a fly on the wall. Uh, and, uh, and you guys will probably say, Steve, please just get back. Because uh, it's so exciting to me that we're finally going to get you all together. So let's talk about Chef Out of Water, the places you've gone uh, and the whole concept behind this TV show. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Future TV show. So it hasn't been picked up yet. So anybody listening out there, we're looking yeah. for a home. <laughs> Chef Out of Water, uh, here, here's, here's the concept. The concept is, you know, after, you know, like anyone, after doing this, uh, the same, same job, you know, I'm a career professional chef restaurateur, right? After doing the same job day in and day out, you know, as much as I love it, I mean, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love what I do, but you got to get out of the kitchen. you got to get out of your own kitchen, get out of your comfort zone, and, and, and work with the unfamiliar, things you've never done before, uh, new experiences. And, and doing that will inspire you for other things. And it's not just related to the cooking industry or the chef or the restaurant business. So here's the general idea is I will go and visit chefs in other places, um, even other countries, and, and ask them to show me, show me their home, show me their area, their region, their part of the world from a food perspective mm-hmm. and cultural perspective. Of course. What, what, are you, um, what kind of ingredients are you using here? But not only that, but who produces those ingredients? Can I meet that person? I want to learn about what, what, why do they do what they do. Because it's all it's all related. Um, I have taken trips, um, just uh, unbelievable trips. I went to Iceland a couple of years ago, um, worked with some guys. I, I knew them previously and worked with them about oh, eight, eight or so years ago, um, just kind of randomly. And I went to Iceland, and these guys, these two chefs and professional bartender, two of them are brothers, by the way, showed me the most unbelievable stuff. We went to a went to a greenhouse that's growing uh, uh, 18% of the country's tomatoes in Man. one facility, right? Super thin glass to maximize solar energy, heating from geysers underneath the ground. Oh, man. That's, that's how they heated the place, naturally. Um, we went and met a chef that actually cooks entirely using steam out of the ground. Come on. Like, that's his kitchens are outside. They're actually put the restaurant on top <laughs> of these geysers in the steam comes up they actually have to cool it down it's too hot you've got to be kidding me really cook using that steam it's crazy it's crazy we met this guy uh we met this guy that that is growing uh micro herbs um for about 30 restaurants inside of repurposed shipping containers this guy he's looking for you know this guy's funny he's uh he's actually a uh 
he's an actor. He's an Icelandic actor. He was uh, uh, um, the star of this children's TV show that aired internationally. And, um, but he's, he's doing this now. It, it was amazing. We went to the fish market. You know, we talked to the, the guys unloading the fish. And ultimately, the plan is they're going to show me their, their, their home from a food perspective. Then we're going to get up in their kitchen, and they're going to and challenge me. I'm going to challenge myself to work with ingredients that I'd never worked with before. They put down some stuff. I was like, what the heck is that? Like seabird, heart, <laughs> oh, <laughs> liver. Like, it, it was crazy. Right, and and I I created, I became I created um, half a dozen dishes with these guys. That we we actually did. Uh, you'll appreciate this, Steve. We did chicken fried seabird breast. Okay, come on. What is so? What is a seabird? It's it's a really clean seagull. Wow. <laughs> well, they don't have the. It's such a clean country, right? It's so fresh. They're not eating garbage, right? Like like they might be here, right off the beaches and whatever, but. Yeah, so, I mean that that was it. We, we actually and they, they and these guys are like, whoa, it actually worked. I might I, I might try that on the next tasting menu. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so we had this wonderful experience. I cooked them in their kitchen, and then we invited them to come back here to the United States, come back to Oregon, come back to Astoria with us. We literally, we literally, they got on the same flight with us. We came back to Astoria, Oregon. And we gave them a similar experience. These three guys, these, these two professional chefs, professional bartender, we took them out crabbing at the mouth of the Columbia River. We took a mushroom foraging. Um, we, we did all sorts of cool stuff. We fully hosted them. Like, I want you to, I want you to be, I want you to have this experience. Right. You know, being in Astoria, right? And then around these kinds of things, we do events, right? So we put on, we, we had a sold out, two nights in a row, a sold out dinner, where the chefs are then challenged to utilize our ingredients coupled with their style of cooking to so produce cool. almost on the fly dinner for 50 people in a, like a six-course tasting menu format. Oh, man. Right? And, and then the bartender came up with cocktails to be paired with these dishes. This like crazy awesome. stuff, like duck fat washed whiskey. It, it was awesome. That would work it down here. Awesome. You know, we have we got a lot of duck hunters down here, so it's uh that would be uh, that would be uh, that would definitely work. It's crazy. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you get out you get out of your comfort zone. You learn from other people, right? And then you 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 cook with them. You create this bond, this relationship that's going to last forever. I talk to these guys all the time, and and then you share that all with the public. You share it with other people. You take them on that journey with you. That is what Chef Out of Water is. We talk about culture. We talk about uh, differences and, and things like that. We, we have had um, other chefs. I, one of the most interesting fellows is uh, Chef Badir Fayez from Saudi Arabia. He came here to Astoria. We did something similar with him. And we did a, a, a cooking exhibition. In fact, we, we jammed 65 people into the annex space, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was tight. But it was awesome. And, and with him... We did a radio show on the local community radio with with uh, with Donna Quinn called Talk of Our Towns, and and he talked about it was it was awesome. He talked about breaking stereotypes and and what <clears throat> expectations are growing up as a young man in Saudi Arabia, one of the youngest countries in the world, by the way. It's only like a hundred something years old. <clears throat> Expected to be a businessman or an engineer, this or that, and he and he did that. He he, he actually was was schooled in, in the United States, at Johnson Wales University. He got an MBA, 
But in the back of his head, he's like, I want to be a cook. Like, I want to be a professional <laughs> chef. I want to make food for people. And he put that MBA to use. He stayed on. He got his degree in culinary arts as well from Johnson & Wales and went home and has opened a couple different restaurants there. He's one of the top chefs in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. In fact, he was. I saw a little uh, clip of an episode of, uh, I want to say it was Top Chef Arabia. He was one of the judges. <laughs> he was one of the, oh, one of the judges. I love it. Yeah, Top. I didn't understand anything they were saying, but yeah. <laughs> my point is he, he, he took that expectation of what he's supposed to do, and he still followed his dreams while fulfilling the obligation that he felt he had to get where he wanted to get. And it was really interesting in that conversation. It was, uh, it was amazing. All right. Can I ask, so, so how many episodes, you know, I know there, how many sort of you feel like that are basically content is in the can? I could probably put five complete 30-minute shows together at this point. Wow, that's amazing. So you've traveled to, um, did you travel to Saudi Arabia as well? Not yet. We're, we're, uh, we've been discussing it um, via, you know, using like Messenger or whatever. But we've been trying to put something together. It, it, um, it's important, the places that we go, that we have support, not just from that chef or their, their restaurant, but from the community. Of it's important that, because we want to we want to promote that area. We'd like people to 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 travel there if, if they wanted to. We want to you know we want to promote that from an economic standpoint. My yeah. my business partner in in Chef Out of Water is his background is economic development, and this is always part of our part of our uh, recipe, if you will. Right is. What can we do to help stimulate that? Well, yeah, and listen, um, hey, Chef, this is what tourism is all about everywhere. And, you know, I'm the music and culture ambassador of Mississippi, and, and I'm so, it's like one of the most humbling. Uh, I'm so honored to be that. Uh, and I have learned so much about uh, people. You, you want to celebrate culture and art form that is indigenous uh, and spawned from the area that you grew up in. When you can, when you can grab a hold of that and share it, and celebrate it you get people that want to really come because they feel like they're in for an ex- an authentic experience and, right. and it's what tourism is all about the, it, economic development are you kidding it's it's one of the biggest industries in the world is tourism uh the people that get it right so in mississippi we we gravitate toward all of our arts they're doing such a wonderful job of traveling the world teaming up with different uh states and countries um, and figuring out how each individual area in Mississippi can benefit. All right, there you go. We're Chef Chris Holland. You're in a Mississippi Minute. We'll be right back. No, I don't mind. Oh, I don't mind. Most of the time. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm in a hurry, one hell of a hurry, cause I know you're there waiting to see me. Oh, the almighty water, cautious cause mighty water, well, I was baptized to trouble to believe. Sun is drowning. I'm Steve Azar. We are with the fabulous so Chef Chris Holland. Hey, let me let me ask you something, uh, Chef. Let's let's talk about 
I got to jump into something because you talk about I got to watch Cecilia watch you. And I love watching our our kids watch uh, something they haven't seen yet. And obviously our our daughter is big into the culinary thing. She's had a food blog for a number of years. Um, I really, you know. Gwen and I always cooked. Uh, we cooked at the house. It was when, when I was on the road in the bus and gone for a couple weeks, I'd, we would plan out our meals the days I was home, what little bit I was home, and that our whole day would be revolved around uh, when, when we're going to start cooking, you know, turning the jazz on. Our kids saw that, and they've all, uh, you know, the middle one just loved to eat it. Now he's starting to like to cook. And the oldest one, pretty pretty dang good, really starting to get into it. They're all getting into it now. But our daughter got hooked, hooked. Like, I'm talking, you know, I mean, she got hooked like it sounds like you did. And we've discussed that. Uh, you you made a fish stock, and you you were just sort of loose with it. Uh, you were using Notorious yeah. Peak Wine because we had a, a an event coming up, and you were going to use this wine that we uh, – that and, and then what – take us, uh, first of all, you run out of you, – you, you're making fish stock for what? I'm making fish stock, the the primary reason, so mm-hmm. that I don't waste it. Oh, so you don't so waste do ingredients. That's the primary thing. I got Now we bring in the whole salmon, right? I don't want to just, there's only so much you can do with the head or the carcass or whatever. So we want to utilize the whole fish, and, and what better way to do it than right. making fish stock. Okay, so you're making fish stock, and you put in the kitchen sink with it. I saw the I actually saw metal go into this. Just FYI, I saw I saw your guy, your sous chef, unscrew the the thing from the, uh, you know, and pull the whole sink and throw it in. So all right, so so uh, let's talk. I want I want to jump in. The reason we were there recently, besides celebrating our son graduating film school, and he's out in West Hollywood now, and he's he's uh, doing he's dreaming like uh, you know like we all you and I have both done in our lives, um, and the the thrill of turning into reality is awesome it's at that he's at that point but but cecilia was brought in and you got like four or five recipes from her and then you you did some things to them to make sure we were cooking for 90 100 people and you had to do that she learned so much from that um uh and i appreciate it so much uh the one thing she was like she was a little bit dis uh disoriented or whatever i'm looking for a word she was in a you know a little dizzy because of uh the impact but she handled it wonderfully but the food ended up being like really well received um are there things that you got to do when it comes to big numbers that you can't do uh for small numbers uh, do you is, is there some give and take uh in recipes that just have to be adjusted because you're dealing with numbers yeah i think there's i mean there's certainly yeah i mean there's definitely the, the math the math part of it, you know, and, and, but yeah, you know, and, and, you know, portion sizes and, and, you know, weighing things out. And, and sometimes when you get into spices and herbs and seasonings, you know, you're, you're going to get, you, you don't necessarily, you know, duplicate. So you're making a recipe for 20, perhaps like she sent me, for example, we want to turn, we want to multiply that, you know, four or five times. Well, I may not put as much of the, the spice, if you will, right. but you know, because it's going to, it's going to spread out. We don't want to overwhelm it, but there's, he has a lot of tricks, and I'll tell you, with, with Cecilia, once she really kind of got in the groove, we, we had what, we had like 10 people here trying you know, helping make all this food, random strangers that we never met before. Right. Uh, helping make it, that was one of, the, one of the coolest things. Immediately, she, within, within a very short amount of time, went from a little bit of deer in the headlights to, you know what, I could totally teach this person how to do this. Right. You know, when you, when you have mastered something, I, well, I tell my interns that. We have interns in our restaurant. I tell them that. When you have mastered something, you will have the ability to confidently teach someone else 
how to do it, and not just how to do it, but why you do it that way. Right. So I saw that happen in, in her face. She's like, oh, I got this. Yeah, she, she, <laughs> she, she, she's, she's that way. I lo- and I love seeing that as a dad. You're going like, okay, she's going to be fine, <laughs> you know, later. She's gonna be- She's going to be just fine. <laughs> You've been with Chef Chris Holen. I'm Steve Azar, uh, Mississippi Minute. Later. I'm Steve Azar in a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. Feeling down? Here's your prescription for a daily dose of good news and positive vibes. Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Every afternoon, Rebecca highlights all the good things happening right here in the state you call home. Daily exposure to good things with Rebecca Turner may cause smiling, feelings of positivity, happiness, and even laughter. When you experience these symptoms, tell your friends to listen. Okay. Weekdays starting at 2 p.m. here on Super Talk Mississippi and now on Amazon Alexa devices. Fox on Family. For kids, the season of giving is often more about the getting, but there are ways to inspire them to give back. Well, the first thing is to be excited yourself about giving back, right? So the kids take their cues from us about how important it is based on what our attitudes and behaviors are that we model about giving. Author and father of three, Andrew Whitman, says it can help to make donating or volunteering a family holiday tradition. I want to build a special memory about giving back. Like I'm going to make it a big deal and let the kids go with me and experience firsthand how good it feels to give to others who are less fortunate than ourselves. Whitman's a Marine Corps veteran, so he's partial to Toys for Tots. When they get to feel how it's more blessed to give than receive, when they get to feel that, then they understand, hey, man, this is really cool. And he says it's the effort that counts, not just the thought. After spending a lot of time in third world countries, he also emphasizes just how fortunate many are in the U.S., and how teaching our kids about that can help instill gratitude and more giving. With Fox and Family, I'm Lisa Brady. News Mississippi, on air, online, and now on the brand new News Mississippi app. You can select the breaking news and weather alerts you want. Just look for News MS in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. That's News MS in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.